What a mysterious story shrouded in so many uncertainties and unknowns. It is one of my favorites in all of Scripture. And in preparing for the sermon today, perhaps because it's Father's Day, I've had a particular country and western song in my head related to names. There used to be a game show, Name That Tune. See if you can name this song in as few lyrics as possible. And he said, here he goes, Son, this world is rough, and if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die, and it's the name that helped to make you strong. Yeah, he said, now you just fought one heck of a fight, and I know you hate me, and you got the right to kill me now, and I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in the guts and the spit in your eye, because I'm the son of a gun that named you Sue. Yeah, what could I do? I got all choked up, and I threw down my gun, and I called him my paw, and he called me his son, and I come away with a different point of view. And I think about him every now and then, every time I try, and every time I win. And if I ever have a son, I think I'm going to name him Bill or George or anything but Sue. Well, it's a funny country song, and with all due respect to the Sues and the Susans in my life, there is power. There's power in a name. When we hear a name, we make associations like I did with Monty. Um, everyone is identified by their name in some kind of way. In the Bible, Adam means earth or dirt. Adamah, it means earth or dirt. Moses means drawn out because he was drawn out from the waters of the river. Noah means peace. Peter, Petros means rock. Sometimes our name associations are positive. Sometimes maybe not so much. I hope, for example, uh, when we hear the names Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., we think about emancipation. We think about equality. When we hear names like Harriet Tubman, we think of courage and power and liberation. It's a lot different when we hear the name like Hitler, right? When our confirmation uh, class interviews each year, we always ask them, tell us something you know about John Wesley. And one confirmand said this year, well, he's the guy that was pulled from the burning house. That student made that association. Another student said, well, he's the really short dude with the pretty hair. So there's that association. They all, all of my interviewees, went on to say he's the founder of the Methodist movement, but he never intended to start a denomination. He just wanted to lead people to Jesus and make a difference in his community. Now, how about that for name associations? Well, when Jacob's family and, and maybe the communities uh, through which he was passing heard Jacob's name, I wonder if they exchanged pleasantries about his name or if they had kind of furrowed brows. Because when Jacob wrestled with God, he strove and he received a new name. And receiving a new name is different in our culture, but it wasn't uncommon in, in the biblical world. Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah, Jacob became Israel, Paul became Saul, Simon became Peter, and there's a lot of other instances where names were changed in the Bible. And that's because when someone's name is changed in Scripture, there's a new mission 
There's a new purpose for that person's life. There's a new story that begins. The name is the person's life source. In some traditions, uh, they believe that a certain prophecy or prophetic spirit rests on the parents or the grandparents, those who are doing the naming, and it's sort of giving uh, insight into what that child uh, should be called. That child's name then becomes an intrinsic part of her or his personality and development. And in one Jewish tradition that I read about this week, uh, oftentimes a name change will occur when healing begins. So maybe that's what's happening with Jacob becoming Israel. There's another tradition in Judaism that, um, that says that the name of the sick person, someone who's ill, will sometimes be changed to hide that person from the angel of death because to know someone's to name, name is to possess that name and that person and to possess control of that person. So you change their name to hide them from death. Maybe, maybe that's why Jacob said, tell me your name. It was a matter of control. And so I believe, as I said last week, that part of taking the initial steps toward healing through hospitality is about letting go. It's about giving up at all costs to ourselves control and maybe even safety because to learn someone's name initiates the journey to learn someone's story. The entire 32nd chapter of Genesis is this wrestling match between Jacob, who now becomes Israel, Jacob and Israel. And it goes back and forth and back and forth, so much so that even the writers of, of Torah dance between his two names, Jacob and Israel. And I just wonder if that's because Jacob, Israel, is this prototype, this archetype of or for our human condition so often in life, we are Jacob. We feel alone. We feel like we're in darkness. We are estranged from our families and our friends. We have forgotten our covenant with God. We have forgotten our covenant with people. And we are a Jacob, a heel-grabbing, conniving, deceiving heel-grabber. But then God gets a hold of us and changes our name to Israel the one who wrestles with God. That's what the word Israel means. So he goes from being a heel grabber to being healed. A little play on words there. But it takes him letting go. So holding on to one's former way is, is a way of saying, I'm not willing to give up my name. I'm not willing to give up control. I'm not willing to give up risk. I'm not willing to give up anything that's, that's safe so that you can have your way with me, O oh God. Or we do the same with someone else. If we can possess their name, we can possess them, or so we think. But healing, through the beginning steps of hospitality, means we have to let go and to let God be God. We don't get to be God in this world if we want to find healing. So I just remind you that, that Jacob found himself in a really dark place, loss of family, loss of identity, loss of covenant with his God, loss of self, and here he is, total control. He's put all these plans in place. That's another thing that's beautiful about this chapter. He's put all these plans in place to reconcile with his brother Esau, 
and this is the night before he reconciles with his brother. So he has these plans to reconcile because he realizes how broken he is and how he needs to be healed with his family, especially his brother. And so here he stands at this crossroads of, of making all these plans and the event is coming the next morning and in between all of that is a wrestling match with God. How beautiful is that? That we get to wrestle with God on the dark nights of the soul Jacob wants to know the man's name, and he goes from being an angel to a man to God. So which is it? It's very mysterious in that way. But Jacob receives two things. He doesn't receive the man's name, but he does walk away with a bum hip and his own new name. Because sometimes when we wrestle with God in life, we might walk away with a limp, but at least we get to walk away with a new identity. That's a powerful thing. That's good news, that God does not give up on us, but changes our story. Well, what does a name have to do with healing and hospitality? Well, there's restorative power in being known, having the assurance that we're known by God by name. There's healing power in being known by name to another person. There's healing power for another person when we know them by name. And what it does, as I mentioned last week, is it takes the status and it changes it. No more a stranger nor a guest, but like a child at home. Because every single person needs a place to belong. And a place of belonging begins with somebody knowing our name and being willing to know our story and being willing to give us enough space to share who we are and to learn from them and to see how our humanity is so bound up with, with her or his humanity. I've seen this uh, in a couple of places. One is in our respite uh, program. Uh, it has a lot of moving parts. It has food and it has music and it has volleyball with balloons and it has bowling and it has crafts and arts and all these things. But one of the most important moving parts to our respite ministry is giving out that name tag. And everybody's name is written in the same script. It's the same size. It's the same exact name tag. Participants, volunteers, clergy, staff, we all receive the same name tag because there's something equalizing, if you will, about knowing one another's name. And what I've seen time and time and time again it's people who walk into that program, and they might not know their own name or somebody else's name there, but when they hear their name, they perk up. There's power in their name, and it helps restore their identity. And then when they get called on to help lead or to help participate in, in some kind of way or to receive uh, some sort of accolade, there's power. There's restorative, healing power when a person hears her or his name, it's a reminder, it's a prayer. Saying someone's name out loud is a prayer. That's why amid all of the racial chaos over the past few weeks, we've said names out loud here in our social media feeds as we've walked around the church and prayed and around the city and prayed because to say a person's name is to pray and to give that person back to God and to remind the world that every human being is a child of God. So I've witnessed that in respite. I've witnessed it recently around the country. 
I've also recently, uh, as in the past three or four years, um, witnessed this as a drug court chaplain. Uh, I would go and sit in the back of a, of a court system on Fridays, and then it changed to Mondays, and I would be a chaplain. Now, what does that mean? I would just sit there and, and wait to see if, if persons who were part of the drug court program as their final, um, the final step, really, in their healing and restorative process, if they needed somebody to pray with them, and we would step outside the courtroom, and I'd spend some time just listening to their story. But I noticed time and time again that, that the person sitting uh, in the courtroom were people who were cut off from their God, they were cut off from their families. They had oftentimes cheated and connived and grabbed heels of people closest to them. They were cut off from their communities. They had lost their jobs. They had nothing left in this world, or so they thought. So there was power when one of the chaplains would say, you still have your name, and you were known to God by name. And so I would oftentimes pray for that person. I'd say, what's your name? And they'd perk up because the only time that they really heard their name was with something negative or in the court system. But now all of a sudden, somebody who was representing the church of Jesus Christ was willing to call their name and to hear their name. Hmm. For the first two months here, as my time as your pastor last summer, it's hard to believe it's, it's almost been a year as of July the 1st, um, you were kind enough to wear name tags so I could learn names and relearn names. That's really important to me. I want to be able to call everybody by name. And, and we're going to have to wear some name tags when we get back in worship so that I can relearn and, uh, your names all over again and that kind of thing. It's been too long. Uh, but during my work for this, uh, this project, uh, one change that we have made here at this church uh, came from, from your help. Because typically what we would do on months that had five Sundays, so once per quarter, we, it would be name tag Sunday on that fifth Sunday of that, that particular month. So we put up stations out here around the campus and people came in, uh, they would wear a name tag and that was nice, you know, four times a year. But I decided with your help and with God's that we would flip that. So now what we do is we have name tags on the first Sunday of every month because the first Sunday of every month is what? Communion Sunday. And what I've learned from you is that there is power when a minister of Jesus Christ will stand with a little bit of bread and a chalice, these means of ordinary, uh, ordinariness that turn to extraordinary grace. When, when we say James or Evan or Susan, this is the body of Christ given for you. There's power in being named. We're known by name on the front end of our journey, as Stedman reminded us. We're known by name on, at the end of our journey as we send our brothers and sisters and our family members and friends to be with Christ. And we're named in between because healing can happen this side of heaven and sometimes it happens when we're willing to say someone's name. But it's more than a name tag. When we are intentional about remembering someone's name, we're, we're signaling that we're interested in that person's story, that we see and we value that person as a child of God, that we acknowledge that God is not finished with that person yet, that God is not finished with us yet, 
And when we learn someone's name, a relationship forms. And we know that a relationship is the starting point for finding out how we are all connected by God's grace. Before COVID-19 um, and this pandemic, when we were actually able as ministers to visit hospitals and rehabs, uh, I observed a situation where I was once again reminded of the power of using someone's name when, when interacting. I, I was signing in to this particular uh, rehab facility to check on someone, and um, I confess in church that I was eavesdropping on this family that was seated over here, but um, something they said really reeled me in and caught my attention, uh, and that is that this man couldn't figure out why his quality wouldn't uh, of life, his care was, was not improving, and he was not receiving the kind or the level of attention that he thought he should uh, be receiving, and it was kind of hurting uh, his pride a little bit. But his wife said, well, let me ask you a question, dear. Do you even know the names of the people who are helping you? No, why would I learn their names, this man said. And so she gave him some, some tips, and within just a few moments from the time that I had gone to make my visit to the time that I had come back, he had started learning people's names, and I was shocked how healing begins with hospitality from learning someone's name, all because he was willing to take time to look at someone eyeball to eyeball to say, you know what, you do matter to me and to my healing. And what we as Christians know is that our healing depends on other people, and other people's healing depends on, on our level of healing. I am so ready to gather in person and, and to wear name tags and to elbow bump again for a few months. Um, and part of the reason that I look forward to that day, even with a frog in my throat as I say this, is because I realize that so many of you watching right now have not heard your name called by another human being in months. In months. One's name is one, one's identity, and one's identity is one's purpose. And as the people of God, we are, are known by name. We are named into God's family. So just indulge me for a minute, okay? If you are worshiping with someone right now, I want you to look around and at that person and and get their name in your mind. If you're worshiping with multiple people, as we are, then look to the person on your right and think about their name. That's your person. Or if you're alone, you can say my name or one of the minister's names or one of the choir members' names or uh, the name of somebody close to you who's now with the communion of, of saints. But on the count of three, we're going to say a name out loud, and then I'm going to have a prayer for us. Are we ready? Everybody ready? Three, two, one. Evan. Evan. Whoever's name you said, I want you to hear right now that you belong to God, that your life is claimed by God and it has a mission and it has a purpose and that no matter what kind of wrestling match you are in with God or with your family or with your community or with yourself, God is not going to let go of you until you let God bless you and change your story. You are loved by God, your Father in heaven, and you are loved by this church. Amen? Amen. Amen.